0: and say, we'll get together, and I think it's okay. You think it's okay? Yeah, we think it's okay. Therefore, it's okay. God says, no.
1: Hello, this is the Adventure Through the Bible podcast. My name is Matt. With me today, we've got Eric. Hey there. We've got Karen. What I name. And we have Tracy. Good morning. Good morning. When this episode airs, let me think here, I think we will be one week, well, it'll be the weekend right before Christmas, so everybody's probably into Christmas uh, traditions and stuff, and in my house, one of the big traditions is Christmas movies. We just we sit down together, try to watch some movies, watch, uh, watch as many of them as we can every year, and... I've got a little pleasure that I love, as I uh, I find as many versions of a Christmas Carol as I can. And uh, I've only watched one movie so far, but I've already read the book and listened to an audiobook. and now we've watched one movie. And uh, I just love that story. I love it. I love it so much. And I was counting last night. I think I have five different versions of it uh, <laughs> to watch on on DVD and Blu-ray. <laughs> that's uh, that's that's in the store in store for me for the next few. Uh, next bit between between now and Christmas, just wondering you guys have any you know um, are our Christmas movies a part of your traditions and if so, do you have a favorite?
2: For us it is it's we do uh um, oh, I think it's on Freeform or one of the other channels that's that's on cable is the twenty five days of Christmas so y'all try to sit down at least um, at least every night and watch one of those. So we do. And mine would definitely have to be the famous line No, kid, you'll shoot your eye out.
1: <laughs> and
2: everybody in, this, in, in my whole family tends to hate that movie, but that is my favorite movie.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that movie. <laughs> you know, I was thinking about that movie the other day. People, some people just don't get it. You know, and I, I had to explain it to my wife once. I said, You, you probably don't get it because you, you were never a boy. You know, yeah. and, and you know, cause it's, it's, that is the tale of like every boy in grade school, at least before the world started getting complicated with electronics and, yes. and things, you know, us growing up in the seventies, so much of that still resonated with us, you know, yeah. and, and, uh, yeah, that, that, <laughs> that movie busts me up. I got, yep. <laughs> I have three versions of that too, but well, not three versions. <laughs> I got three copies of it. I have a, I have a DVD, I've got a Blu-ray and then my wife bought me another Blu-ray this year because we forgot that I had the Blu-ray. <laughs> from before. So I've got three copies of it.
3: What's the movie?
0: <laughs> it's uh, a, a Christmas uh, Story. Yep. Hey, it hey, is roughly confused with the Book of Luke Christmas Story. It's the story of, <laughs> for, for listeners who aren't familiar, it's a set in the, probably in the nineteen late 1950s, early 60s, of a yeah. probably 10-year-old boy who wants a BB gun so bad, it's the only <laughs> thing he can think about. Yeah. i I think it's earlier than that because he
1: he loves little orphan annie on the radio
0: oh well, maybe yes. 40s then
1: so it's like 30s or 40s but yeah it's Basically,
0: just it's just I, I i remember being that age and getting the Sears catalog back in the day when you looked at a book of uh toys instead of the internet
2: instead and of I online <laughs> yeah,
1: the yeah
0: Sears I, just, I remember going through like oh I remember really want that thing now, I'd never seen it didn't know anything about it couldn't read reviews about it it's just there was a description and then you, in my mind that was going to be the greatest thing in the world now very seldom did it ever live up to that but
1: <laughs> yeah you know you can buy the BB gun now right oh yeah with it's the cool. compass in the stock and the thing which tells time
2: there you go <laughs> it's to the point they know I like that so much I have the little uh, the lamp on our Christmas tree.
1: Nice. I have a little plug-in nightlight.
0: (laughs) Well, for traditions, we've got two. Our Christmas tradition, for those who know us, is our family photograph. Uh, If you've never seen our family photograph, it is not typical. Um, And that just became a a thing uh, 18 years ago, actually. Uh, We started that accidentally, more or less. And maybe Matt can stick a link to the show notes to, to what that is, because I can't describe it uh, verbally. Yeah. <laughs> it's too, too complicated. Uh, but we, what we've decided for a tradition um, beyond that is we decided we are going to watch a musical as a family every New Year's. Nice. And last year, in years past, we would actually go to a little theater or musical venue or, or something like that. And uh, watch a musical uh, at New Year's. This year, we're going to have to do that at home, but we're still going to keep that tradition. Cool. Yeah,
1: they've been doing a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff on YouTube lately with musicals um, that you can get for free. So, I know they did a while back, they did Phantom, and they've done, mm, I don't know, they were doing a bunch of them there for a while. It's uh, if you look up the show must go on on YouTube, they were doing a lot of them. Now there, some of them were for limited times, but there might be some options there. What about you, Karen?
3: Not really, honestly. Um, no, not really. I mean, I, I grew up without TV or movies. So I'm not familiar with any of that. You guys start talking about that. And 90% of it goes right over my head. I I literally do not even know. It's like listening to someone talk in Greek and trying to pretend like I'm interested in the conversation. I'm just like, what? (laughs) So I've I've watched some as an adult, but like, but here I am, I still, you know, in my forties, I still don't have TV. And I don't particularly care. I, I do. I don't know. I guess I just since I grew up without it, I grew up on a farm. We had a goat. We had horses. We had hay fields, and it just never was really part of life. So I don't know. I enjoy it. I, you know, I I enjoy it, but I I don't have anything like that. I mean, I used to I used to like decorating my house. I used to like decorating. You know, putting up a tree and making it really pretty and stuff like that, and sort of creating those kitschy. Postcard Christmas moments. For me is food. I like to cook. I like to eat. So it was always a lot of food. But the kids are grown. I don't have a house anymore. I live in an apartment. So there's no room for a tree. So like most of that stuff has just kind of gone away. Honestly. Mm. Sorry. Wet blanket.
1: Poor Karen. No Christmas spirit. <laughs>
3: don't make me text your wife again.
1: Mm, yeah, she's asleep. Don't wake her up this time.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: Those of you who did the lesson last week, Mart was, Matt was being a smart aleck to me, and I texted his wife and told her to. He thought that he could get away with it because he's in a different house, and so I texted his <laughs> wife and told, her to "Please walk in there and whack him." And she did.
1: She did. It's on the recording. You can hear it. It's. It's. Uh, you can hear you hear, you hear it smack, and me going. I think I go. Ow. <laughs> it was pretty good. <laughs> Well, Karen, if you want to watch A Christmas Story, I've got three copies. I could probably loan you one. Yeah? Do I have
3: <laughs> to own a device to play it on?
1: Oh, well, yeah.
3: Yeah, see,
1: yeah. Well, no no, Red rider BB gun f- fun for you then.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, well, let's get into our discussion today. We are continuing in the Book of Judges. Uh, we've gone through several already. A couple weeks ago, we talked about Deborah. And last week, we talked about Gideon and some fun stuff there. Learned that Gideon... There's not one story of Gideon putting a Bible in a hotel room. So I, I don't know where that comes from.
3: Yeah, well that, is, that was weird. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I,
1: don't, I think I'm losing. I think I've lost something in the, in the translation there. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, hey, if any Gideonites are listening email me. Let me know what that's about. I, I think it's a really cool ministry. Um, I've, I have utilized it on several occasions, so I've, I actually, I'm actually very very grateful for that ministry, I'm, and I'm curious to what it's all about. So if there's any Gideonites listening, email me podcast at theadventure.org and let me know what that's about. But anyway, so we're into um, well, we're going to get into a couple of really good stories this week. One of them I think most people are less familiar with and will be a bit shocking. And another story that most people are familiar with and hopefully we will glean some new insights from today. We start with the story of Jephthah. Jephthah. I'm not entirely sure how to say that. Jephthah. Yep. And Jephthah is a story that I honestly had not heard before, well, I mean, I've heard it before now, but the first time I came across it was, I don't know, a couple of years ago when I really decided to start paying attention to the Bible and not just going along with what I was told, and and um, Jephthah kind of made me sit back and go, whoa, what's yeah. that about? So, yeah.
0: um,
1: so Jephthah was, uh, we we're told he was a Gileadite, Now, I guess that means he was the son of a man named help me out with this guys because i think he was the son of a man named gilead yeah gilead yeah yep. and his mother was a prostitute yes yep. i was getting confused with him being a gileadite because i was thinking of gilead as being a region not so much a a family i mean it's definitely not one of the tribes of of israel but i guess it's just this clan or whatever but he yeah. so he yeah so he is the son of this man named gilead and a prostitute and he's got some half brothers they don't like him very well probably because of his uh, because of his mother and they pretty much drive him out of the house and uh, he he moves away to uh, land called tobe tob and becomes a raider basically uh i don't know land pirate uh a highwayman or something that, along those lines. A and, reaver. Um, what's that? A reaver. He a moved reaver.
3: out of, became a reaver.
1: Okay. And, and, um, so, I mean, he, he it sounds like, you know, I mean, he gets kind of pushed out and has to take, I don't know about, has to, but takes on this life that is less than wholesome. And, um, but when the, Ammonites once again decide to make war with the land. Let's see, this is in verse 4. Ammon, Ammon makes war against Israel. <laughs> the elders of Gilead, they look up Jephthah, and they want him to come and command their army. I don't know. If- so he must
2: have been a good, good, bad raider, I guess you might say. Yeah. I guess. his He name must have was- had a reputation of knowing how to get the job done. Yeah. Well, he
3: I know the New Testament hadn't been written yet, but it does say, "Whatsoever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might."
2: <laughs> you know, so, but I, I think it speaks to measures that they, you know, he was kicked out of the, out of his father's house. He was looked down upon for being a son of a harlot, and then decided to go out with some a, a band of worthless people, and and raid and apparently be good at it to where they wanted to use him as as one of their commanders.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, at first I was thinking, why would they come to him now? But like you say, I think it just makes sense that he must have have created a name for himself. He must have, um, I mean, his name must have stayed out there just because he left the house. People must have been following his exploits and stuff. Because even he, he's like, you guys hated me. What do you? Why do you want me now? What's this all about?
0: And uh, they're like, no, we want you to be our head. This is not uncommon. I mean, we we see this exhibited. Uh, my wife's in healthcare, and we had people say health, professional healthcare and Western medicine, stupid and it's it's dumb. And why would anybody do that? And then we go visit them in the hospital when mm-hmm. they get sick. Because hey, where are we. It's just like, I don't like the police. The police are terrible. Somebody's breaking into your house. Who do you dial? Yeah. You know? It's right. it's it's just it's one of the it's human nature. It was it was a thing way back then. They did it, we do it. And so they get in this situation, and, and this was a little confusing to me. So help me out with this, guys. The Amorites picked a fight with Israel way back when Israel was uh, moving from Egypt to the promised land. Mm-hmm. The Amorites started that fight, and the Israelites basically whooped the Amorites and took away their land. Mm-hmm. Now, the Ammonites, A M M O N I T E S, no R in the name, the Ammonites show up and say, Hey, we want this land. And essentially, Jephthah's like, I don't have a beef with you, and you don't have a beef with me. This was a thing that happened way back in the day. This isn't a, this, this is not our fight. And he says in, in, in verse 24, chapter 11, 24, it says basically, yeah, if your gods, if, if this got stolen from your gods, let your gods get it back. And the Ammonites do not, uh, lean on that. They say, fine, well, we're going to fight you. And, uh, that sets us up for the crux of the story. Mm hmm.
1: Yeah, it sounds like they had a long time, that they had an opportunity to take things and they didn't. And now, yeah, all of a sudden they're, they're, they're jumping up and, and uh, wanting stuff. So Jephthah, as he's preparing to go into battle, he makes a vow. And then, folks, this is where, this is the reason right here why I, why I constantly say don't make quick vows. don't Don't jump into things quickly. Slow your roll. Think things through before you before you make promises, before you make vows, and promise anything, or 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 um, or just you know jump without looking. He makes this vow where he says that he tells God he will offer a burnt offering of whatever the first thing that comes out of his house when he comes back if he has victory. So when he, he, if he when he goes out to battle, has victory, comes back, first thing out of his house he is going to offer as a burnt offering. This comes back and, to and me. And I
3: have to admit that the snarky sense of humor in me when I read that and I read that he only had one kid, my first thought was, well, was he hoping it was his wife? Like, oh. like oh. he says that he'll sacrifice whatever comes out to meet him. So the assumption is this thing is alive and it's eager to see him and it's coming to meet him. But, what? <laughs> what? Yeah.
1: I mean, yeah, I mean, we wouldn't be thinking of like a, I don't know, I don't know if they would have
0: had dogs.
3: Yeah, I don't know either. You this know, is, I... is very strange. This is so strange to me. This Correct. whole circle. I
0: they had, they did have, they did have uh, animals living with them. I mean, yeah, Jesus tells the parable of, or no, no, it's uh, Nathan the prophet tells the parable of the family that has the lamb that stays with them mm-hmm. and the the they raised it. So basically, we don't know. There's a lot that's kind of left. A little bit that's that's vague. He says, I'll do this. The short of the story is he goes out and he wins. And he comes back and it turns out his daughter, his only daughter, comes out. And he basically says, oh, you're breaking my heart. She says, why? He said, well, I made this vow. And she said, well, you got to do for God what you said you got to do. And just give me, what was it, two months? Yeah. Yes, two months to go and, and hang out with my girlfriends, and as it says here, weep for my virginity, um, which I assume th- now. Different people read this different ways. Some people will say, "Well, what that means is is that she then would be quote dedicated to God and, and never marry." Um, that's not what Jephthah said he was going to do at the beginning, because we're not told. All we're told is is that how what is the words um, in mine? It says. Uh, At the end of the two months, this is verse 39, she returned to her father who did with her according to his vow that he had made. That's it. That's all it says. Mm -hmm. Right. Now, as we look at that and we think, oh, how horrible, this is terrible. If he, whether whether she became uh, a monk or whether she was sacrificed as a burnt offering, we don't know. It's not specifically spoken of. But I will say this, and this is really important. In Jeremiah 19, 4-6, God makes it very clear, as he has earlier, he's not interested in the sacrifice of people. Period. Never was, never will be. In fact, it was forbidden in Israelites. To God called it specifically, that's one of the core sins of the Canaanites that causes them to be dispossessed before God, is the fact that they were sacrificing their children. So... There also, there was in Leviticus 5, 4, there are some very, and we read, we went through this, so you can go back in the podcast and check this out, because we talked about it long before we got to Jephthah, is that there were steps, there was a procedure basically to say, I take it back. I made a rash vow, I'm going to reel it back in. And there was a cost that you had to pay, it was I think a cost and a fifth. Mm -hmm. And everything had a value, and you can find the value of those things in Leviticus 27, 1 through 8. A man was worth this many silver coins, a woman was worth this many silver coins, a slave was worth this. So basically, if you had somebody that was 20 pieces of silver's worth, and you had to redeem them, you had to pay the 20 pieces plus 20%. So you'd have to pay twenty-four pieces of gold, silver, and then I'm sorry, silver, and then you could redeem them from your vow. That's how you would walk it back. Apparently, they were clueless about this whole thing. The fact that they had not been worshiping God to begin with led to their their persecution here in Israel. The fact that Jephthah makes, I mean, his career choice not a thing that um, that good Israelites would be like. What do you want to be when you grow up, Jephthah? Do you like to be a fireman, a lawyer, a doctor, an electrician? I think I'm going to be a highway robber. Oh, that's sweet. So they were making all kinds of choices that were further and further from what God's ideal was. And I want to point out that the fact that people did things in the Bible and it was recorded is not a recommendation of what you should do. We're going to get into the story of Samson, and Samson was a judge of Israel. Samson did a lot of things that instead of well, they did it in the Bible. It's, it's, it would be better to be viewed as they did it in the Bible, and it's recorded there as a cautionary tale.
1: <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, so we don't know exactly what happened to Jephthah's daughter. I mean, if you read it just the way it's written, you can take it that he he, he, he killed his daughter and offered her as a burnt offering. I personally have a bit of a hard time believing that one because, like Eric said, God just absolutely did not want that. But at the same time, God expects us to keep our word. So uh, on that on that one, you're like, well, he, he might have done it. There, I have heard, and Eric alluded to this just a few minutes ago. There's a possibility that she went off to become. Uh, like go, go into seclusion in like a monastery type situation. I've heard that that is a possibility and maybe she was redeemed through that process, through that other pro, through that process from Leviticus where uh, it was accepted in the same light as the same thing, you know? Uh, so we don't know, but be careful about making vows and rash vows and quick vows yeah. You know, that's that's the lesson. I think that's the takeaway from this is because one way or another, it put Jephthah into a terrible situation yeah. that he had he had to deal with yeah. if he was going to be honorable to that to that promise at all. Well, it goes on because he does. He ha- he has victory against the Ammonites and the tribe of Ephraim raises their heads up again. If you remember from the story of Deborah after after that story. Um, who were they fighting in Deborah? That was... Uh, was that... Um, Cicero's army. Yeah, Cicero's army. And they they got that one done. And back then, <laughs> they stick their head up and go, well, hey, why didn't you invite us to the party?
3: Yeah, and, we wanted to fight.
1: Yeah, well, <laughs> they do it again here, which... I mean, it only it only kind of solidifies in my head that that they're just kind of taking the gleanings afterwards. Well, well hey, we wanted to fight too. Why didn't you invite us? You know, and um, they do it again. It's like the, it's almost like an exact copy of what happened during the, t- the Deborah story. And they're upset that Jephthah didn't
0: include them in, that, in this fight, except that Gideon, Gideon, talked him off a ledge. He mm-hmm. like, said, oh, you guys, yeah, you're pretty awesome. You did some cool things. So you get, you get to keep your honor. And we got to remember that the honor of your tribe and family was a big, big, big deal. This time, jephthahs he's not going to have it. <laughs> he's just, yeah. he's like, oh, really? You you, you want to pick a fight? Well, let's go. <laughs> mm-hmm. Throw down right here. And at the end, in chapter, in chapter 12, verse 6, 42,000 Ephraimites fell. Mm. So Jephthah was not, he was not going to, I think maybe he'd heard that story before. and He's like, yeah, we're done with this. Well,
3: that's diplomatic in his approach.
0: Yeah. Well, and you back up even to verse
1: two there and he says, how does he put it? He goes, my, my people and I were in a great struggle with the people of Ammon. And when I called you, you did not deliver me out of their hands. So it sounds like at some point he probably, he maybe had called them, maybe not specifically to go into battle, but it sounds like he had helped. Asked for help at some point, and they didn't, and they didn't do anything.
0: Well, yeah, so, said verse three. And when I saw that you would not save me, mm-hmm. Yep, I went and um, did it by myself. By the
3: way, did you see in verse four where the Ephraimites identify that the Gileadites are part of Ephraim and Manasseh? Did you see that?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and hmm, I
1: had missed that,
0: but yeah,
3: renegades, renegades. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah so that's the same thing happened to Jephthah it's like well you're not really even part of us.
1: Yeah. Yeah and then, but the, the, boy the way that the way that that uh, Jephthah deals with them <laughs> is by how they pronounce a particular word. If you can't pronounce this word right, you're dead. It's uh ask them to say the word shibboleth and if they can't say it right and they say sibboleth they're gone. <laughs> that's just a, just a brutal, brutally, yeah, he's not he's not having any of that. and uh, not so, dealing with
3: okay, it. hang on my my dad was in Vietnam, and he he said that um, the no man's land was they were they were front front lines, and no man's land in places was very narrow, and people would use the dark of night to try to sneak over and uh, get in and cause cause some damage. And so the the uh, the border patrol, shall we say, they would make up passwords that the people trying to come over had to say, and they would pick passwords that they knew that the Vietnamese had trouble pronouncing because of their language patterns, because of what their mouth was used to saying. Mm-hmm. And if they mispronounced the password, that's it, they were done. So there, there are other reasons. You know, we don't know sort of the local details of... This type of thing, but it's, it's, it, there are other reasons than like you left out the H, <laughs> you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 it's just a. Uh,
3: it is it, odd
1: though. Odd, interesting, it's just interesting. And, and yeah. I, sp- I suppose maybe effective, you know, if you know, if you know the region, if you know the way people speak, you know, like us being here in Colorado, as soon as someone starts talking like this, we know they're not from around here. You know, <laughs> and uh, and uh, so similar similar situation. So, Jephthah says he judged Israel for six years, and um, that was about it. That is the story of Jephthah. It sounds like he was uh, quite the warrior and uh, kind of effective in giving the smackdown where it needed to go. And <laughs> we're given. We're given the names of three other judges. We really don't get any information about them. Ibzan, Elon, and Abdon. Ibzan judged for seven years. Elon judged for ten years. Abdon judged for eight years. We're
3: not given any... And and at some point, I want to find out, it will probably not be on planet Earth, but I want to find out why it was important that the only thing to say about Ibzan of Bethlehem was that he had 30 sons and 30 daughters and how he married them. Like, that was so strange to me.
0: Mm.
3: I wanna know feat. like huh?
2: That's a huge feat. 60 kids, 60 <laughs> 60.
3: kids right I mean it, well, honestly Gideon had, me. <laughs> Gideon had 70 so
1: <laughs> that's a lot of kids to put through college.
3: Yeah, I'll just marry, marry them off instead, apparently. Anyway, it's just it was like if you're if they're you, you mentioned them, they give the time frame. And you know where did they live and die, and then like just this odd little bit about all of their kids, and it just makes me so curious. Like, why is that in there? I want to know. I want to be able yeah. to ask somebody someday. Like, what was it with all of the kids?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I guess the first thing it probably makes me think that maybe not that many people were that prolific <laughs> with, their, uh, with their with their with their with uh, their child rearing.
3: Yeah, and like and Abdon is kind of the, the same thing about him. He had forty sons and thirty grandsons who rode on seventy donkeys. Like, really? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I want to I know why these obscure little tidbits are important enough to record in the Bible. Someday I'm going to ask these questions. I have a list.
1: Yeah, I can only think, and it must just mean that it was it, it was different enough from everybody else that it was worth worth
2: saying.
3: Well, I should yeah. hope
2: so. A lot of peace and downtime.
3: <laughs>
2: what? <laughs> what does he say? Really, peace. Peaceful and a lot it of is, down time. No, they,
1: t- had, they had time, no TV. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm guessing that probably also means that he had more than one wife and concubines well, and such. Do the math.
0: It's, I mean, he only had a, for well, years, and he had that many kids. There's that. Yeah, that's just uh, unless they were all like septuplets or whatever. Then yeah, that's. Mm.
1: I I remember when my, my when my wife told me we were having our second one, and you know I. I put on the happy face, and that's wonderful. <laughs> you know, I can imagine. It's gonna be number 56. We're we're, we're having no, our 56 <laughs> is going. Oh. <laughs> I mean, just just as soon as you'd be done getting one out of diapers, you wouldn't even have to, have to get one out of diapers. You'd have like diapers. Like ten in diapers all at once. Don't make, and I don't want that to sound like I wasn't happy to have our second son. That's not what I mean. But it's just like
3: I got out of it.
1: I know, I know. (laughs) But I just, I just remember, it's like we had just gotten the oldest one out of diapers. Things had gotten easy, and then, and then it was time to have another one. I went, okay. (laughs) (laughs) So I just don't mean sixty kids. I just can't even, I can't even fathom that. And that to me that. That seems to be like maybe that's why they, they pull these things out. Like this guy had a lot of kids. I mean, I, I'm sure they had large families, you know, but sixty, that's a that's a that's a lot. So <clears throat> I mean we think now like twelve kids is a large family, you know. It is. I, and that I could think true. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so sixty. Yeah. But yeah, I'm with you. I'd like to know for sure why was that important to put in. It would be interesting to know. All right, well now we get into Man, I don't know if it's not the the most, it's definitely one of the most famous stories of the Bible with uh, the story of Samson. I, I, I can't imagine anybody listening hasn't heard the name of Samson before, but um, so Israel, Israel goes bad again, right off it says Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. So here we go in that pattern again. And they were delivered into the hands of the Philistines for forty years. So forty—I don't—I—I I guess. Hmm. I guess that means maybe there was a there was this forty year span before before Samson was yeah, um, totally. born.
0: <laughs> well, it could be before he was born or before he actually came into his came world. into his stride. Yeah. Right. Um, And that brings up an interesting point, is that at some point when the Israelites were saying, oh, we need to be delivered, which they eventually always did. What they didn't know is that years and years, decades ago, their deliverer had already been born,
1: Mm. Mm -hmm.
0: which means God was planning way ahead of them, because at the point where he was born, they probably weren't feeling that bad, which is it's amazing to me how they yo-yo back and forth. But again, I think that we are more like them than we want to believe. So they're, they're in trouble again. And there is, um, I find this fascinating in the story. I don't know if you guys got this too, is that there was a certain man of Zora of the tribe of Dabite Dan Danites, whose name was Manoah. Okay. So he gets a name. His wife does not get a name. Mm-hmm. She's just yeah. the, the wife except that, She is the one who gets visited by the angel. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I find it fascinating. She gets visited by the angel and she's told that she's going to have a son and to be careful and take these steps to to uh, of her own health and some pretty strict boundaries on her. And then he is to be a Nazarite. And that's a, a special Designation, we can look that up, and there's some interesting things about Nazarites. We'll get into that a little bit later. But um, she gets visited by the angel. Then she tells her husband, "Hey, I visited an an angel visited me and told me these things." And Manoah, in eight, he says, and then he asks the Lord, "Like, oh, please let the the, the man of God show up again and tell us what to do." And I find it fascinating that the, the angel does show up again. And does speak to them, and basically the summary, and Manoah says this in 12, and we talked about how Gideon asked God for a sign and and his reaction to it and how Abram asked for, you know, he was given a blessing, and then Sarai was like, she laughed, and and how Mary, when she was told she would conceive, says, well, that's awesome. Don't know how that's going to happen, but that's cool. Is Manoah has one of those experiences where they're told that they're going to have a child And he says, Manoah says in 12, now when your words come true. So basically he's like, okay I'm in. It's going to happen. But when it comes true, what do we do? And then I find it fascinating the angel says, of all that I said to the woman let her be careful. Basically he's saying yeah, what I told her already that's the same thing that I'm telling you. Yeah, she told you what I told what I told her and I'll tell you the same thing again. I just find that fascinating that she gets a message. She tells her husband. Husband said, like, "Well, I don't know what to do." The angel shows up and goes, "I already told you." Essentially,
3: and then gives them the sign that yes. he is, you know, and so, and like my, um, you read ESV, right, Eric?
0: Yeah, which is the English Standard Version for those of you yeah. not familiar with that.
3: So, so I, I have four side by side, and in a lot of the story. The, the woman, the wife goes home and says, a man of God came to me. He looked like an angel. He was very awesome, right? And so Mm -hmm. then when he appears, Manoah refers to him as the man of God. It comes again and visits them and whatever. And then they, when they, when they, the guy says, well, go ahead and put out a good, go ahead, you know, if you prepare a burnt offering, offer it to the Lord right? In other words, don't offer it to me because Manoah is saying, we would like you to stay until we prepare a young goat for you. And the angel of the Lord replied, even though you detain me, I will not eat any of your food, but if you prepare a burnt offering, offer it to the Lord, right? And then does the whole offering fire consumption thing. And then and then at that point, Manoah goes, this that was an angel. <laughs>
0: I, I think that this whole thing, I Manoah's wife, I think, was, they, they picked her for a reason. Same reason that, um, not same reason, I should say, but that it's fascinating that as somebody really important is going to be born, God focuses on the mother. Mm. You know, I mean, Mary was specifically chosen. Joseph is kind of like, well, he comes with Mary, so we'll take him. <laughs> and, <laughs> and in this case, it's it's the wife of Manoah, like she's the one. And Manoah himself is like, all right, he comes along with her Okay, we'll work with him. Because here's a very interesting thing. She seems like she's—I don't know. She sounds like she sounds like a cool woman. Because Manoah, they like were offering it to the Lord, and Manoah says basically um, uh, in in 1920, he's like, Oh, we're gonna die." It was an angel, and she's like, yeah. "No, <laughs> look, um, no." Uh, where was the Where was the word? I had it written down um, specifically where. In twenty two, 20- Yeah, it's 22 and 23. Yeah. She, he says, we're going to die, we're going to die in 22. And she says, look, if the Lord meant to kill us, he wouldn't have accepted the burnt offering in our hands and shown us all these things and announced this stuff. Yeah. I found like she's just kind of a common sense, and which is funny because we typically think of the woman running around waving her arms going, oh, we're going to die, we're going to die. And in this case, this is Manoa. And she's like, calm down, dude. We'd be dead already if that was his plan,
1: right? I couldn't help noticing the parallels here to the the announcement of Jesus's birth. You know, in both cases, you have an angel comes to the mother, tells her she's going to have a child, uh, and this is a. In both cases, the birth itself seems like it would be a long shot. Um, you know, you got Israel and you got Israel in trouble, and. Uh, I, there was another thing I pointed, I pulled out of this here too. When, when, okay.
3: why are you saying the birth would be a long shot? What are you saying?
0: Well, it, it introduces her as childless.
1: Yeah.
3: Oh, because she was barren, right? Okay. I yeah, forgot she, about her.
1: Yeah. And then um, Manasseh, well, not Manasseh. I keep reading my own notes wrong. Manoah is asking for advice. And then when angel comes again and repeats what he's already said. In verse 11, this interest, it was interesting to me. Uh, are you the man who spoke to this woman? And he said, "I am." I could th- that phrase, "I am," really, really came out to me here,
0: mm-hmm.
1: too, because I'm, I'm, I'm fairly certain this is a Christophanes. That this was when we say "angel of the Lord," it would seem to me that the translators maybe thought the same thing because, because they're capitalizing all of this as as potentially this was God Himself. Now maybe it was just a, a representative, but. Um, but that, that well, phrase angel, I am angel
3: the word angel gets used here and, and angel just means messenger of God, right? Yeah. 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 So and Sometimes God means,
1: is his own messenger.
3: Yeah, but I'm just saying we don't we don't know beyond that. We just no, know No,
1: we Jesus. don't know. We don't know. But anyway, I just thought I just thought those parallels were interesting of the, the, the similarities of the way that the birth was announced, the similarity that the mothers were in unlikely to have children even though their particular situations were different. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: We're going to see it again, too. Spoiler alert. The birth of Samuel. Mm
1: -hmm. Yep. Yep.
0: Yeah. The end of 13. And the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him. There are some that I've heard that say, well, the Holy Spirit didn't really show up in the world and become active until Pentecost. Right? I don't know how your Bible reads, but right here, mine says, and the Spirit, capitalized Spirit of the Lord, began to stir in him. This... This is very clearly the Spirit of the Lord is active and working way back.
1: mm-hmm Oh yeah yeah it's not like he' sh- <laughs> it's not like we never heard of the- heard of him before uh, before uh, Pentecost. And, uh,
3: well okay so there's this place and, and I get where people get confused. I'm this is something that I am curious about because in the New Testament Jesus says to his disciples, well, I'm leaving. But I'm leaving, but I'm leaving behind the comforter for you. Like I, I have, I have to go and then the comforter will come and, and stay with you. And that's, you know, that's the Holy Spirit. And then eight days after he what is it? Pentecost was eight days later, right? On the eighth day, they were gathered within blah, blah, blah. Isn't that how that goes? Mm -hmm. Um, And so then here comes the Holy Spirit with the tongues of fire and the, you know, all of this. So there's, there's an implication that that's the first appearance, but I, that doesn't really make sense. But there was something, there was something different, definitely different, that happened when Jesus went back because he specifically announces it.
0: Yeah, yeah. No. It's, it's to say that there, and I don't dispute that. Uh, just to say that that's a different manifestation yeah. because it shows up later once we um, get to as uh, Saul is chosen to be the king. He prophesies and dances and speaks and you know, mm-hmm. and so this this whole. That God works over and over, and I'll use this opportunity again to say, God uses a different method almost every time. Yeah. We, if you think about all the different, oh, let's let's uh, let's uh, free Israel from their oppressors. Okay, so Deborah, first of all, um, Gideon was called. No, it's Deborah and Barak. Barak was called. The Barak wouldn't go without Right. Deborah. Fine. Deborah's like, I'll go, and then we don't hear. Sp- Specifically that God called Jephthah, but Jephthah was used. And we have these other things, but we know that Samson was specifically chosen by God. Mm -hmm. That was, he had a specific mission from birth. He had a mission and he was to be a Nazarite. And this was, um, something very specific that uh, he was supposed to do. And I thought I had written down where the Nazarite, um, specifics are maybe we'll get to that later and i'll find it in my notes but basically he's chosen from birth and there are from prenatal care essentially the angel says you better be careful about this baby before he's even born
3: mm-hmm.
1: yeah the mother is told specifically right off the bat don't be drinking any wine um i don't remember if it was not not taking any grape let's see
3: yeah.
1: do not drink wine or similar drink and yeah, do not yeah, eat men. anything unclean.
2: Verse thirteen yeah. and fourteen. I mean, verse verse thirteen, chapter thirteen, verse fourteen. Okay. <laughs> that verse was four. hard. It was. Oh it was, yeah, it was and fourteen. At this point,
1: yeah, yeah. It was in verse four and in verse fourteen. Because you're saying fourteen, I'm looking at four. I'm going, no, that's verse four. And then I looked down, went, like, nope,
2: he's right. <laughs> 13, 14. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah,
1: and those are things that go all the way back to the Levitical laws about ah, it's number rights. Hmm?
0: It's number six. I had that written down. I just couldn't find it.
3: Mm. Well, okay, but so my, so verse fourteen. She must not eat anything that comes from the grapevine. That's that's not that's not the Levitical law.
0: Yeah,
3: is. Don't eat grapes.
0: For a Nazarite. For
3: a yeah. Oh, for a Nazarite. Oh, so she—you're yep. saying that at, even when she was pregnant, she was supposed to operate under the Nazarite laws. Yeah. Okay, because he was in utero, so yeah, she was feeding him that way. That makes sense.
1: Yeah, I would. That's something I see. You what you had, you questioned about why why kids or people with thirty kids are named or sixty kids or whatever? But to me, it's like why grapes? I mean, I I, I understand that grapes kind of grapes and wine become symbols. Down the road, but I mean, grapes, I don't know, I'm not sure I quite get that one. I mean, wine, I yeah. mean, if well, we're talking fermenting
3: with cutting the hair, there's nothing magical with never take a razor to his head. Yeah, like, that's I guess it's all symbolic. Yeah, it's a I'm set apart because, and if I can, um, harken back to one of the more interesting Israelite customs, circumcision. In, in the land of surrounding nations who use sex as part of their worship process. And none of them are circumcised. Like you, you can't get through these moments of your life without somebody going, Hey, that's different. Why are you like that? Yeah. And then you have to, and then you have to explain how you're supposed to be living.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. So
3: it, it's, there's interesting, interesting ways that that manifests all the way through.
0: It's interesting because a Nazarite would have to have an internal Basically, thing I'm not mm-hmm. eating grapes,
3: mm-hmm. and an
0: external, obvious thing, not cutting your hair.
3: Yeah.
0: So I mean, he's he's set aside, but let's let's not get too wound up in that because we've got some good stories to go ahead here.
1: Yeah. 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 That that just is interesting. That that the the hair especially comes into play. I mean, everybody knows the story, right? But um, <clears throat> in case you don't, he wasn't supposed to. He wasn't supposed to cut his hair, or specifically, he says have a razor to his head. But before we get to that, Samson meets this Philistine woman and he wants his parents to arrange marriage for him. <sighs> with all this Nazarite stuff going on, it's it's interesting to me now. I mean, because they were really supposed to set themselves apart, stay clean, yep. and this and that. And he wants to marry this Philistine woman, and God had been very specific about don't marry the people of the land. Don't get yourself involved with these people and Samson falls for this Philistine woman and wants to marry her and his parents are like what is there not somebody better <laughs> but um but uh, verse 4 talks about how they didn't understand that this was God's plan all along god deals with people in all kinds of circumstances and uses and uses them and in here he's going to use this to his advantage
0: yeah um, and I think the crux of this is verse it's chapter 14, verse three. And Samson says, get her for me for she is right in my eyes. Hmm. And again, That shows up, which is super painfully ironic at the end of his story. And verse seven, uh, she was right in Samson's eyes. Hmm. It, and that's the characterization of the entire book of Judges. Is that um, you know when we get when we start at the book of Judges, we say, "Oh man, this is just going to be a mess." And as we end the last verse of the entire book of Judges, in those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Basically, it's like we'll get together and I think it's okay. You think it's okay? We think it's okay. Therefore, it's okay. God says no. You just because you have a consensus that it's okay. Does not make it okay. Right. And what version was that in? This is the English standard version.
2: Okay. See, yeah, because it's get her for me, for she pleases me well. Yeah, that's New but King think, James. You know, in listening to yours, that loses something. You know, this translation, because that is, that's, that's kind of profound.
0: The ESV mm-hmm. is pretty literal, and so sometimes it takes the idioms and just spells it out, and we may or may not get the idioms. <laughs> <laughs> and in some other translations, they, they take a best guess at it. I don't know that what's the case in this particular case, but it's super ironic and it's painful. Yeah. Because remember, remember, they were warned way back that if you interact, if you mix it up with the Canaanites, they will mm-hmm. become a thorn in your eyes. Mm-hmm. Ah, it's just like, oh, man.
3: That's, um you guys, you guys remember Solomon. So in Proverbs, he says a couple of different places. There is a way that seems right to a man. Mm-hmm. Just ringing a bell, but the end is, what was it? Like the, uh, how does that go? Like the, the end thereof is death. There's something like that, yeah. you know, but, but, destruction. Yeah, there we go.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, the story runs that, I mean, because that's the story is the story. He wants her, he gets married. He has a marriage thing. They make a, that he starts this this problem early of giving into pestering he he makes a riddle and we encourage our, our listeners to read this because there's there's a really cool story here but the short version is he makes a challenge says hey if you can solve this riddle i'll give you 30 sets of clothes which was very 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 expensive to get sets of clothes linen no less if you guess it they can't guess it all the Philistines, his best man, everybody are pestering his brand new wife. Says, tell us, tell us, tell us, figure it out. And finally she pesters Samson enough that he tells her what the answer to the riddle is. She tells the Philistines what the answer to the riddle is. Samson says, fine, I owe you 30 sets of clothes. So he goes to a different town, kills 30 Philistines, steals their clothes, and uses them to pay off this bet. And then he leaves. He's so angry at her, he just leaves. leaves. Then he changes his mind and he comes back and he uses this expression. I think this is um, uh, interesting. He says, if you had not plowed with my heifer, you wouldn't have found out my riddle. I'm like, well, I'm not sure how she would have taken that being called a heifer. But <laughs> <laughs> I wanted Karen's insight
1: on that. Yeah. We need to hear yeah, what Karen's got to say.
3: I feel like that's so obvious.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't sure, Karen. I wasn't sure how, how you would feel about
0: that. So
3: well, someone who has never struggled with my weight, my first response would be, are, are you serious? You know, but it's like it, <laughs> I live in a completely different society and in the society I live in modern Western civilization, whenever somebody gets upset, well, not whenever, but many times when someone gets upset at a woman, the first thing they do is insult their looks, which to me is so it's such a low swing. and so and so honestly from my perspective when I read when I read it that's kind of where I went with that it's like really all the way back in bible times and they if they if they're upset with a woman the first thing they do is cut down their looks (laughs) like that's that's you're missing the point and you're picking the handiest weapon
1: (laughs) I I, kind of doubt that that was an insult of her looks it was just an analogy that Right. We look at it and go, oh, that's, that's. But I mean, I don't know that they would. I mean, because when you read the Song of Solomon, some of those the na- analogies there, like your sheet or your 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 teeth are like sheep. You're like, on oh, what, you know? But, <laughs> and so, you know, referring to his wife as a heifer, uh, I don't think it's quite the
0: same. I don't yeah, think it's meant. It's a meant, very meant it was the same a way.
3: odd way to say that. It, it doesn't. Yeah. To me, it like I don't. I don't get it.
0: I think what yeah. he's saying is you had no business interacting with her. Right. You you shouldn't have been, you're you're a little bit too personal here. And he leaves. So the story is, is that he leaves in hot anger. He goes back to his father's house. Later he comes back. He's like, okay, fine, whatever. I'm over it now. But her um, father has given her as a wife to Samson's, quote, best man and they're married, and Samson is, he is so angry, and he goes out, and he, he, this struck me as I read this, you know, I'd I'd heard this story before, Samson goes out, and he catches 300 foxes, and basically ties them with their tail-to-tail, which would make them just absolutely frantic, and then puts a torch between their tails, and sets them loose, so they'll be zigzagging all through the ripe grain, catching it on fire, but my point was, my, my, my note, anyways, to this is, who in the world is fast enough to catch one fox? Yeah. Let alone right? 300. Like I'd always thought of Samson as strong, but holy cow, he caught 300 foxes.
3: can take like, them somehow to do this.
0: How did you, like, and yeah. I am yeah. like, wow, this dude is like, he would be, he would be the football team, like the whole team. He's, <laughs> he's lightning fast and strong as a locomotive. Yeah. And, he, is.
1: Well, I, he He could have trapped them, you know, but, um, but still 300, 300, 300. I mean, that's a lot. And like Karen said, containing them and, and being able to grab them and, and, and tie them together.
0: Out loud. It's not like you've got 300 rabbits. Right. Right. <laughs>
1: so yeah. Throw them yeah and they're going to be biting and yeah. Yeah.
0: Huh. So basically, he does this. God uses it he he starts to just get this the philistines he's he is starting to push their buttons um he he goes back and what I find just it's sad and ironic when he does this that the very people who manipulated his first wife into telling the riddle they burn her house down mm-hmm. her in it so mm-hmm. I mean they're not really straight this sad 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 thing is samson chose these people he chose to get involved with this whole thing and it's just it's like jerry springer it's just like oh man you just know it's gonna go bad when they're like let's invite this person onto stage you're like oh who's that what's gonna happen next you know it's gonna be a train wreck mm-hmm. and samson keeps going back for this stuff time after time
1: yeah, now this whole time the Philistines they are they are occupying uh, parts of Israel, and specifically it sounds like Judah, mm-hmm. and they 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 want Samson bad, and uh, the tribe of Judah they kind of, they kind of agree to to deliver him up to him because yeah,
0: okay. you
1: know they don't really they they're not really interested in having a struggle with the Philistines, nope. and so they they go to they go to arrest Samson and Samson. Finally, he just says, well, just don't kill me yourself and, you know, take me. And so they do. They tie him up and they take him. And once the Philistines have their hands on him, it says the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. And uh, the ropes that were on his arms became like flax that is burned with fire. And he just, just breaks the ropes somewhere along the lines. He finds a jawbone from a donkey and kills a thousand men. With it, with a jawbone.
3: It's like uh, a movie scene. It's just insane.
1: Oh. Can you imagine? I mean, the brutality, the absolute brutality of, of an entire army coming, trying to get, get, get this guy, and well, like we, like Eric said, I mean, he's got to be fast. He's going to be strong. He's going to be. I mean, this is like superhero stuff here. Yeah. Uh, you know, this yeah. is. Um, th- this I'm is. Curious.
3: I'm curious how much of this was actually physical, though, because it says right there, the spirit of the Lord came on him and the and the ropes that they had tied him with turned, you know, like flax. It's like that's linen fibers, like that's yeah, yeah. the plant stock that linen comes from. This isn't, you know what I mean? So it's like how, how I, I'm always curious what people look like, you know, like you read these stories and whatever, and I'm always curious what people look like. And of course, when Samson's so strong, I picture him as this huge muscle bound freak. But yet. It's Maybe not. the spirit of the Lord, and it's miracles, and it's, so it's like, hmm, okay.
0: Yeah. I don't know, but he was, he was something else, because I would yeah. think after about the first 20, the rest of the 980 would be like, I'm out of here. Right. Um, and, but they didn't get far, apparently, and he just littered the whole area with these guys, and, um, he, and then, and it says at the end, that they, in, uh, he judged Israel in the days of the Philistines, 20 years, I get the mm-hmm. impression that the Philistines are like, you know what? Uh, somebody's like, we should go get Samson. And somebody's like, mm-hmm, you first. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, not me, <laughs> I'm not going first. And so for 20 years, the Philistines are like, I'm not going. You're going? No. Yeah. So, it, And here's the thing. If, if the story of Samson ended at the end of chapter 15, we would think, wow, that's awesome. He's done, right? He did the thing because we finished these other ones and they ruled judged Israel for eight years or seven years or 20 years, and they had peace. And we would think he was pretty awesome. And Samson, let's not forget, is mentioned in the Hall of Fame in Hebrews chapter 11. You can look that up, and I would recommend that you do. Hebrews chapter 11. uh, Samson's mentioned in verses 32 to 34, along with the the people we've just been reading about, Deborah and Barak and, and these other people. And they did what they did, this is worth mentioning, by faith. Now they did things, which were works, but they did them by faith. That's the whole point of the chapter in Hebrews 11, is that this stuff was done by faith. And this is where we see it go off the rails in chapter 16, is that Samson goes back to his tendency to be his own Judge He he makes his own calls. Instead of asking God, hey, what should I do in this case? He goes after, well, that's what I want, and that's what I'm going to get. And to that point, at the very beginning of the story of Samson, we have a pretty, I mean, it's between the lines, but correct me if I'm wrong, Samson has some sexual uh, impulsiveness.
1: Oh, absolutely. It starts right out, verse 16. He saw a harlot and went into her.
0: Yeah, but I mean, it starts with the first with the first marriage. It goes oh, back, yeah. it's like, I'm looking at her, and with my eyes, I'm looking at the outside, looks good to me, I want it. Mm-hmm. And we have this problem again and he's in Gaza in chapter 16 in Gaza, I guess it is. He went into Gaza. There he saw a prostitute and he went into her. And then we have the story of him carrying off the uh, the whole gates of the city, which is pretty impressive. But we don't talk about, well, what made him do that? What put him in that situation? I have seen um, situations where people have come. Because for their listeners here, all of us are parents of, I think, my we we have some kids as young as uh, about eleven or twelve, but as old as how old is our oldest here among our group?
3: Um, t- probably mine, twenty eight.
0: Okay, so we've all seen things from either our kids or our kids as friends or their friends of friends. We've seen a lot of kids, and then we think back to our days when we were late teens, early adults. How many of you have seen? Friends talk about somebody else saying, why would they be doing that? Why are they with that person? That makes no sense. And we look at each other and we're like, sex. Yeah, right. That's, mm. the, that's the only reason that they're together. Because otherwise they got nothing going on. They shouldn't be there. There's just, they're a disaster for each other. But that's the only reason why they're there. And, and,
3: and that is an interesting aspect of Samson, but I also notice, like, um, I don't want to get too far ahead of the story, but he also seems to have a problem, not not just in that area, but when it comes to women, like, he tells them things that he shouldn't tell them. He trusts yeah. them with things that he shouldn't trust them just to placate them and keep them around. It's like, no, dude.
0: Right. Exactly. And he's given clue. I mean, I was an English teacher in the past. We call that foreshadowing. Right. <laughs> He's given straight up warnings. It's like, if you do this, you're g- it turns out badly. And he, he, again and again and again. I mean, he does this. Remember his first wife, he goes through this. He tells her stuff, just like Karen said, that he wasn't supposed to tell her. Mm-hmm. And then Delilah, it's not like it happened just once with Delilah. Four times. Or twice. Yeah. Or three times. You're like, Samson, do you not see how? And it's not like he just told her and then she's like, you bug me. She actually had people in the back room jump out and try to grab him. So he knew she wasn't bluffing. And yet.
1: Yeah. Yeah. What was that that...
3: verse? There was one, there was one particular verse that kind of struck at home to me. Um, So with his first wife, she cries all the way through the week long wedding feast. Right. And then with Delilah after the third time, all this time you've been, you know, making a fool of me and stuff like that. And and so he's just like, oh, OK, well, here's my deepest secret. You know.
0: Mm
2: hmm. I wonder if it just goes on to, you know, just one of those humanistic characteristics of just frailty and and weakness in certain areas in life. Oh, 100 percent. You know, and oh, I, just it think it's another one. It's just another example of it to use as a reference and a guide that.
0: You know what?
2: Men can succumb to this readily.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So, So in verse 15 and 16, this is the crux of it. Delilah says to him, How can you say I love you when you won't confide in me? This is the third time you have made a fool of me and haven't told me the secret of your great strength. And instead of, verse 16 reading, And Samson turned to her and said, how can you say you love me?
0: Right.
3: <laughs> you know what I mean? Instead, it says, with such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was sick to death of it. Which, of course, of course, reminds me of one of my favorite verses in the Bible, which is Proverbs twenty-seven, fifteen and 16. A constant dripping on a rainy day and a contentious woman are alike. Restraining her is like holding back the wind or grasping oil with one's right hand.
0: Hmm. But yeah. like,
3: like from our perspective, the logical response was like, she's accusing him of not loving her when she has attackers in the back room three times in a row. And his, and his response is not connected to anything, but placating her and getting her to shut up.
0: Which is, mm-hmm. I made a note of that same thing here. And, and, and sadly, really sadly, that doesn't, that doesn't stay in the Bible, in the book of Judges. We have people who are emotionally manipulative today who do bad or mean things to other people and then blame the victim. Yeah. Like what, you did this yourself. Like what well, you're bringing this like, it's not me, it's you. And then the, the abused people begin to just think, think like, well, what, like, am I, what am I doing to, to, to make this happen? And that is, it's the devil. Short story.
3: Yeah, gaslighting, a.k.a. the devil's behind it.
0: And and it's manipulative, emotional behavior, and it's a real thing. And Samson should have left. And if you find yourself in a situation like this, seek help. Because that's not normal. It's not okay. That's not how God works. He he wants us to have better boundaries than that. And to Tracy's point, we all have our weak spots. We all have that thing to where if that button gets pushed over and over and over and over, God works with us and he will give us his grace. And we see this story, we see this theme again and again and again in Samson's life, when I look to myself and I, 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 when I am doing all these things out. And it goes to that just in chapter 16, verse 20. Okay, so he's actually been shaved now. And this was the betrayal of God's sign i mean he'd been pushing his boundaries with god before but now he like he gives up his actual symbolic tie to god he's like you know what delilah is worth her relationship sexual is worth more to me than my commitment to god and so i'm gonna you know i'll 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 keep getting the good stuff here and i'll just tell her so that she'll leave me alone so she shaves his head and he awakes and this is this it's just tragic in verse 20 And she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. He was looking at himself to solve the problem and self let him down. And I think that that is is a universal thing. I mean, that's not just me pointing my finger at Samson. I can point back to the times where I've had my biggest failures And I didn't stop and say, God, you got to handle this. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't fight this. This is too strong for me because we all have our weak spots. Mm -hmm. The devil knows that, and he'll use whatever tool is handy. I mean, it could be Jesus warns against the love of money over and over. You know, we were said to have, you need to have boundaries on marriage. You need to have boundaries. We see this. We see this in the Nazarites. You need to have boundaries with appetite and alcohol. So it, it, it's just there's, there's all these opportunities, and it seems like can't we just have just one test? And once I pass it, I'm done. <laughs> it's just. Mm. But but we have these things, and what challenges Karen is different than what challenges me, is what's different than challenges Matt because I can walk through, for example, um, a casino. In, in Las Vegas, you know, on my way from one place to another, because if you've ever been there, sometimes you just, there's no way to get from A to B without going around the whole city, except you just shortcut through a casino. And they do that on purpose. But I can walk through there, and my only thought is, get me out of here. Yeah, like, That is not a temptation to me. But to other people, they they just, oh, they're irresistibly drawn to it. Wow. I have problems that draw me to that, and other people can look and like, what do you even see in that? Yeah. And when we rely on self, we, we end up no better than Samson really. We're honest. Mm-hmm.
3: yeah and I think and I think a lot of that is just the justification that goes on like it's easy uh, what's that what's that uh, passage that says you know you look at your brother and you say you've got a splinter in your eye and you ignore the entire log that's in your own eye right yes. So because you know my sin is tasty to me yes then, yeah. then it's justified well, I'm getting enjoyment from it and I've chosen it and I am an intelligent human being and this is wise in my eyes and so clearly this choice is fine for me. Right. And then somebody else is looking and be going, you're an idiot. Have you seen what you're doing? Right. And then and then my perspective on them, like I can have shocking amounts of clarity on what somebody else is doing. And I can look at that and I can see like a meta pattern that is repeating if I've known them for years. And I can just be like, that's wrong for you. You need to get out of that and never get into that again. And they're like, no, it's fine because fill in the blank.
0: But to your point, Karen, I think that's the value of community.
3: Yeah. Oh yes.
0: a value of humility, too, to say, hey, if you see a problem in me. I had a friend call me out on something years yeah. ago. And I remember thinking at the time, like, what? Like, what's? what are you talking about? But that stayed with me. It stayed with me. And I thought, you know, maybe it took me a long time. Just, Just so that you know, if you're the friend who's trying to help somebody else, it took me a really long time to be able to even register what they were talking about. But eventually, I did, and I thought, you know what? Yeah, I need to maybe steer clear of that.
2: And I think it, you have to get to that point where you can have that self-reflection because it, I think it's hard because we we want to look at others and judge them, but but often can't see our our pitfalls, or or we know them, but we think they're manageable. I think that tends to be one of the the keys there is that you know what we may know that this oh yeah sure that's a a a, a tight or a spot of contention for me, but we still think that we can have the control over it and, and we don't. And I think that that also brings up, you know, a little bit of maturity as you age, that you can see this and say, you know what, there we're probably right at this point. I think I do have a problem with that, but it, it takes a lot to get to that, to that point.
1: Yeah. Well, and this one really cost him too. Yeah. Cause I mean, and, and, um, you know, like what Eric brought out earlier about his eyes, the first thing they do to him is they blind him. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's, uh, I, I man, I can't even imagine that happening, you know? <laughs> I can't even imagine what that would feel like. Um,
2: but I wonder, if, I wonder if that's a, a rock bottom, because it's one of those senses that we really rely upon. And, you know, we were talking about his, his speed, his strength, his agility. But a lot of that comes from... You know, those senses. Without mm-hmm. his eyes, he couldn't have seen those foxes. Well, have, and it's could have clear. Tied.
1: Yeah, and it's clear, too, that his eyes had been what had kept leading him into these problems. Yeah, You know, three different women in a row. And every one of them ended up with bad situations. And it was because, oh, I see a pretty girl. I'm going to go get her. And and um yeah, so yeah, very... I guess ironic that that's what's um, that that's what ultimately does him in, or okay. that that's the first thing they take.
0: Okay, so bear with me on this. <clears throat> this is a it's 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 all fun and games when it's Samson. <laughs> what about?
1: I thought you were going to say it's all fun and games till somebody loses an eye.
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> you dry out. Okay, so so, <laughs> so stick with me here. He he relies on himself and he relies on his strength and he, he indulges his eyes. And we see that's the very first thing he loses when the, when the, um, when the Philistines take him. But the, the story doesn't end there. The story ends with, with God. And this is, this is not to be overlooked is that in, in verses 23 and 24, the Philistines say, this is a victory of our God over your God
3: yeah
0: and so samson brought shame on god and himself but god did not abandon him
2: no i think we see that the entire even in the you know in the stories that we covered so far in our journey is that there's always that restoration
0: and here's here's
2: okay. the of reconciliation and restoration with god but sometimes i feel it's most point, because I want you guys to kind of go with me here, but when there's like a health scare, if, if it's you or your loved one, sometimes it's sad to say, but that's the time that you get closest to God. When things are going good and things are going great, you tend to forget. And I s- still see that as being that flair that we've seen with every single story that we've, that we've covered so far is that when you start to rely on self. And forget God. That's when the wheels come off.
0: I'm going to take that further. I 100% agree. What if, and you don't have to do true confessions here. What if God takes the very thing that we hold as an idol, He takes it away.
2: You know, I, I think you could look at our, you know, our certain situation in this pandemic. Mm-hmm. That you know, there's a lot of things that we we held up, you know, and, and I'll, I'll put my, my business out there, but you know, my family, we always enjoyed going to movies. Yeah, me too. We, we can, we could sit there every weekend. And you know, when we were sitting around the table eating dinner, I was like, well, what's one of the things you guys miss that we haven't been able to do. And I'm telling you, everybody shot off. I want to go I want to go to the movies. I want the popcorn. I want the candy. I want to sit there and be entertained. But then when you start to look at it, you know, they've tried to do substitutes, they've tried to stream it in, and it's not the same. Right. And it's like, so a lot of those things, when they are removed, you're you're absolutely right. We don't know where to go. But I, you know, my wife brought this point, and I see this in a few of the characters so far that we've covered is that God will give you the same test over and over and over. And the consequences become greater and greater when you don't meet that challenge. And right now you see that Samson was given those opportunities. He looked on those women multiple times. He trusted them with his information when he shouldn't have, multiple times. And at the end, it cost him dearly because he broke from God totally. He lost his eyes. He He was basically set aside to do hard physical labor, You know, and I think at that point is that was his bottom. You know, I can only imagine, you know, him saying, you know, grinding on the stone mill and what what have you. You know, where do I go from here? What how did I get here?
0: But that's my point. is is, Is that if God took away the thing that was and I, well, this sounds so horrible to say it. And I don't know if this is how it worked, because it worked as the natural result of Samson's choices. But he lost what he he lost his strength and he lost his eyes and his eyes were what got him into so much trouble, and the irony is he didn't actually see clearly spiritually until he lost his eyes. Yep, he lost the thing that he relied on.
3: Yes, to everything what you guys are saying, I'm remembering. I'm remembering a couple of texts. There's one that says that. In our weakness, God's strength is shown, right? And I think that can be shown to those around us and also to us. And I'm also thinking of the text that says, if your eye causes you to sin, get rid of it. If your hand causes you to sin or leg or whatever it is, get rid of it. Like we're, we're supposed to be self aware and willing to do whatever it takes to remove ourselves from our own weaknesses. But if we're, if we're not doing it, like if God needs to use us and we're not getting around to it and we're not growing up, I think that he can and will step in and remove the very thing that, that is our greatest strength. It's a, it's a God given strength and We all know that, like some of it comes to us through genetics, some of it might be a spiritual gift, some of it might be the course of our life has trained us to be particularly good at this, that, or the other and enhanced whatever our natural skills were already. But I do think that there are moments when God is trying to grow you up or move you, like shift you so that you can do something different or so that your focus stays on him. And I think the truest ways to do that is to remove the, my own building blocks that I've always been able to lean on. And then pretty soon, I've got nothing to lean on but to look at God and go, help? <laughs> like, seriously, help. I do not have this.
1: Yeah, and that's definitely where he ended up here. Because he was, I mean, mm-hmm. they bring him out you know, to have some sport with him. They're in some giant uh, temple, I, I guess, it's some sort of a worship service they're having. And they bring him out, and he's reliant on a, on a child. To, to take him by the hand and lead him to where they want him to go yeah he's had everything taken from him but it sounds like and definitely I, I
3: bet you I bet you being led led in by a child Samson the strong man being led in by a child I bet you that was part of the crowd's amusement
1: yep oh probably yeah yeah he'd been he'd been a thorn in their side for quite a while and um, so they, they bring him in
0: go 28. Ahead. That's the first time we read that Samson prayed to the Lord for oh, his yeah. strength.
1: Yeah. good point. Good point.
0: In the past, he just showed up, and he's probably like, "Man, it works for me." But here, he has to ask.
1: mm Hmm. No, it's ma- it made made point here too that his hair was growing back. But let's not let's not uh, let's not make the mistake of thinking that the hair was the right uh, was the was the where the power came from. And this was the, the symbolism. But I I take that to be that Samson also was going back to his roots and going back to where he knew he should be. I mean, yes, he's in prison learning, but he's learned a lesson here. And he, uh, like you say, he prays. And his prayer there is just just let me have my strength back this one time, God, just this one time. And, and, um, let me, he says, let me take vengeance from, for my eyes. But I think it's more than that. He's, um, yeah, he just wants to have this victory over the Philistines. You know,
3: and- I have to say, I got a little annoyed with him for that
1: mm-hmm.
3: because the Philistines were saying, look how our God triumphed over. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you compare, <clears throat> if you compare Samson's prayer of, give me vengeance for my eyes with say, for example, the way David approached Goliath, like that giant is out there spitting in the eye of God. We have to go out there and defend God. Mm-hmm. Okay, like, oh, Samson. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: we never get
3: i just, like, I really want him to have prayed. Let me take vengeance for my eyes and for the shame that my behavior has brought on you, God. Right. Like, that's what yeah. I want it to say.
0: We never get the picture that he's super emotionally uh, mature ever. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, not really. No, but um, definitely physically strong, though, because says he braced himself against the pillars and he brought down the whole house. I mean, literally brought down the house. And man, I I, I don't know how big this place was, but there was a lot of people. What did I see? Like three thousand.
0: Yeah.
1: And that's green. just in the
0: gallery. That's not in yeah. the ground. Mm-hmm. That's just the people that are up in the upper, upper balcony.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah he He brings the house down on all of them, and it says that he dies with the philistines yep.
2: but i I found in thirty though, so the dead that he killed at his death was more than he had killed in his life
3: yeah
2: mm-hmm. so and and we've read all those there was thousands yep and and it was more here, and I think more around that restoration and that coming back to his foundation, yeah. And that's
1: basically that's basically the end of Samson. That's the end of the story. He's I mean he he um he takes out a lot of people. He takes out this I'm guessing this was a probably pretty prominent temple to this god Dagon that they were worshiping. It's I it's kind of interesting to me that this is where the final stand takes place. This is where God brings his his power back. Um, you know, you know, you know, good and well that God knew exactly how Samson was going to act and where how, how this would all end up, and and God chose to have this story end with the destruction of this false god's temple and um, all the belief to that, and especially when you think of how much trouble the Israelites had with constantly going to false gods and to see their judge take out. This probably major landmark. Everybody I'm guessing I'm oh, guessing yeah. everybody would probably be familiar with it.
3: Oh, yeah. you know.
0: We just made the headlines.
1: Mm-hmm. And all
3: the rulers of the nation. It says right there that all the rulers were there.
1: hmm So this was a this was a huge blow to the Philistines. And I can only imagine, or at least we would hope, an eye opener to the Israelites, but um <laughs> you
2: know what I mean.
1: We know um, they go back to their ways, but. Uh, you know, I wonder,
2: too, if it, you know, that Abel kind of saying that. You know, you're when your your work on Earth is kind of done, you've touched everybody that you need to touch. And now you're you know, there's nothing left to gain from your life. Is this you know, what does everybody think? Is was this Samson's coup de grace there? Was that it?
0: I don't think it had to be it, but it was it.
2: Yeah, yeah kind of
1: what i was going to say i mean
0: he
2: i think honestly and this is just my rationale but i serve a mighty god and if if he wanted me to do that then there's a way that he can make a tumbling building fall on me and i can still live yeah you know what i mean but i think just the way samson kind of said you know what i'm kind of done too well i think you know in a way this is this was
1: kind of the moment of samson's salvation too He'd lived a, he'd lived kind of a life of debauchery, uh, even as a as a Nazarite, and and we see that he finally finally turns to God. He finally uses his strength for something very specific to honor God, and then that's 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 the end. You know, I mean, you gotta wonder if he had been allowed to live, where would he have gone from there? Would he have gone back to his ways? You know, he had a, he had a pattern in his life that. That he kept, he kept kind of going back, back to the same thing. You know how, how's that? It was a dog returns to its vomit. You know, I mean, it's a disgusting analogy, but I think he it it working. sort of fits here because he kept going back to things that were not good for him. You know, he probably knew they were not good for him. I mean, that was just his pattern, and he he finally gets to a point where he does the right thing. He he's learned a lesson, and and then that's the end of his life. And we might look at that and go, oh, he, you know, he died and that's that's terrible. Or we can look at that and go, well, he fulfilled, he fulfilled what he was supposed to do. And, you know, from the Christian perspective, then we can believe that that's not the ultimate end that, you know, hopefully we'll get to go talk to Samson someday and learn more about his life.
3: I'm trying to remember what Hebrews 11 says about him. I know it talks about him.
0: Yeah, that's 32, It just mentions that he, through faith.
3: Oh, okay.
1: 11:32. So, yeah, I mean, he, he, he found his place of faith and that was where he needed to be.
0: Yeah. I think he could have gotten to it a better way. Yeah. Um, his life oh yeah. Been very different, but yeah. Who knows
1: what he could have accomplished if he would have just, just minded his P's and Q's, you know, but,
0: well, and it's everybody, though. It's like you said, the the Judah, the, I mean, the, the people of Judah were like, well, we're going to tie you up and turn you over. Well, what would have happened if they said, all right, we're kind of scared, but you lead and we'll all follow and let's mm-hmm. do this thing. But they didn't. I,
1: yep. And I think that was maybe an opportunity given to them and they failed on that. It should have, it probably should have been Samson running out in front of, in front of them as they all went and, and, and. And attack the Philistines, and
0: right there not, are already three thousand Judah men of Judah. There, it's just I, yeah. I guess it's easy to blame them, but we got to look at there and say, okay, what lessons can we have? Sometimes mm-hmm. where God is working and He's moving, let's not be like the tribe of Ephraim and wait until it's all over and say, why well, would have helped?
1: Yeah, well, you know, all these other judges, they were we we know them for leading armies. Imagine Samson leading an army. You know, Gideon. Look what Gideon did with three hundred. Imagine Samson, with with his with thousands behind him. Yeah, I mean, people
3: would follow him anywhere.
1: It would have been it would have been incredible. Would have been just been absolutely incredible. But he just kept squandering it away, and maybe maybe too. Maybe that was part of why uh, was it Dan the Danites didn't no the Judahites. I'm sorry, didn't uh, didn't see him as leadership material.
3: But also think back to his early days. He was still young enough to be living at home. He was still young enough to need his parents to negotiate a marriage for him. And he goes and he asks for the wrong marriage. And his parents are upset, right, culturally. And as Israelite parents, they're like, well, isn't there somebody a little closer to home? Like, why you've got to be interested? And it says, because they did not know that this was God's plan. So you got to leave room for the unknown in the visible.
1: Yeah. So it's a a fascinating story. There's a lot of lessons to be learned there from it. It's not... uh, I've always been a little surprised. Once you read it and you get into it, you're always a little surprised that it kind of gets used as a children's story because Samson really wasn't a very nice guy. uh, But um, it is an amazing story of of finding faith and then acting on it, ultimately. Well... I am going to say that that is probably the end of the discussion for today. We've gone a little long today, but it was a it was there was a lot of good stuff there. Uh, next week, I believe we will just finish up the Book of Judges, and uh, there's there's going to be some interesting stuff in there too. So we will finish up the Book of Judges uh, uh, while you're twenty one. Mm hmm. So while you're waiting for that, keep in mind you can reach us at attvpodcast at theadventure.org. Look for us on Facebook. Please be sure to share the podcast and make sure you subscribe so that you get us in your feed each and every week. We look forward to talking to you again next week. Thanks for listening.